Matthew 5, 32 through 48. However, I say to you, if anyone divorces his wife for any reason except for infidelity, he causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, your ancestors were taught, never swear an oath that you don't intend to keep, but keep your vows to the Lord God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself to an, by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for heaven is where God's throne is placed. Don't swear an, earth by, an oath by the earth, because it is the rug under God's feet. And not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And why would you swear by your own head? Because it's not in your power to turn a single hair white or black. But let your words ring true. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond this springs from a deceiver. Your ancestors have also been taught, take an eye in exchange for an eye and a tooth in exchange for a tooth. However, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. But whoever insults you by slapping you on the right cheek, turn the other to him as well. If someone is determined to sue you for your coat, give him the shirt off your back as a gift in return. And should people in authority take advantage of you, do more than what they demand. Learn to generously share what you have with those who ask for help. And don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. For your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that? Since you are the children of a perfect father in heaven, become perfect like him. Uh, remind us that we have uh, uh, four copies of Bob Mumford's book, again, helping us work through these principles. He calls them laws of the kingdom. He calls them the constitution and bylaws of God's kingdom. Jesus comes to us as, as king. And um, this posture that Jesus took on the Sermon on the Mount, we, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, uh, going up the Mount, calling his closest friends to us and the crowds there also listening in, the posture that Jesus took in sitting down, um, you know, if I sit down, it's usually because I'm tired, you know. But Jesus sitting and giving these commands is, is speaking to us as one who has all authority. He's judge and king. He's teaching, as the ancient kings would say, let it be written, let it be done. And that's what Jesus is modeling for his subjects. Now, does it offend us to be called his subjects? Is there something in us that kind of <clears throat> goes that when we think about ourselves as servants of the Most High God or, or s love slaves, servants who, who are bond, bonded to him 
in love and motivated by those songs that we, we sang this morning, his grace and his mercy. And so in response to that, we, we love him. We fellow sinners participate in the grace and mercy of God, which we will receive today and which we've been singing and celebrating because Jesus again as king, as Lord, gives us these commands so that we might be free from the things that bind us to unrighteousness, so that we might be, as, the, as was spoken earlier in, in that word that I felt like God was stirring in me, that we might be for the praise of his glory, as it says in Ephesians, uh, I think it's chapter 2, that, that, that God points to us and says, look, I, say, I saved Paul. Oh my goodness, look, look what I've done for Dennis. Oh man, you want, you want another example? You know, look at, look at this one and look at that one. Look who I've saved and delivered and, and given new life. Look, this person, like me, was really religious growing up and, and just had, you know, the secret sins that I did. But people thought, oh boy, you know, he's, he's a preacher's kid and, and he's really, really, you know, got it all together. But I didn't. And, and God saved me uh, from so many things. Um, <laughs> yeah, we won't go into that. All right. Um, so Scott read for us this, this, uh, the rest of this chapter, and you can see this thread of God's love being manifested in how we treat one another by being concerned about keeping our word, minding our business, <laughs> and and forgiving and loving those who hurt us. So there's, a, there's a, so much here. When looking over these verses, I remembered some teachings from years ago about the clarity of our speech and the power of our words. You know, Jesus, it, it had a, it, it's attributed to Jesus in tradition that James, the writer of the, the letter in the New Testament, was his brother, and that James, like Jesus, said, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and, and because the power of life and death is in the tongue and we're held accountable for, for sincere, insincere words. So, again, this picture of Jesus who's speaking to us with authority and we as his subjects paying attention to it say, wow, Lord, I really need your help to become free from these things. So let's pray again. Lord, I thank you for your help and your grace as Nick prayed and as we've had prayers and songs. And Lord, as we prepare uh, to come closer to you and receive your grace through your word and through your table, uh, help us in Jesus. Amen. Jesus is free. So he can sit down and, and give judgments and commands and teach. He's free. He was not controlled by what he calls later to the disciples the leaven of Herod and of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The, the, the leaven he's referring to is that influence of demonic spirits and of human spirits that are, that are in this systems of power and manipulation, using religion to manipulate and control people, using politics to manipulate and control people, using economic systems to manipulate and control people. 
Jesus was free from that, this institutionalized evil and abuse of power. Let me give a few examples today and through history. Jesus' prohibition about the power of words. Uh, number one, politicians promise much in order to achieve power. Number two, they often blame their predecessors for their current problems. Number three, they surround themselves with people of like character and worldview, which promote, which promote group think and group speak, if you're familiar with uh, 1984, George Orwell's novel, instead of accountability. Social media and mainstream news promote narratives which serve their own worldview and influence the masses. Economic policies can be used to make people dependent upon government, therefore more easily controlled. And scapegoats are named in order to deflect criticism from the powers of be. Now, that is just rampant in systems of authority that, is, that are not accountable. And we see it in, and like, like Nick said, it's not a right or left game. It's not about political correct or incorrect. This, this is inundating powerful systems, whether you look at the medical profession, science, education, media, entertainment. This stuff is rampant in there. The need to control and using words to manipulate. Now, um, can I speak to you just as a person, as a, as a friend, as a dad, a granddad, not, not as a, I'll take off my elder and pastor heart and just, just share something with you that is so grievous. I actually saw this, Vicky, on your Facebook. The Senate confirmed as head of the Health and Human Services cabinet post a man who aggressively has promoted abortion to the point of suing nuns. This is a clear violation of the boundary set by God and our Constitution whereby government should not infringe on the right of personal conscience and religious conviction. That goes clear back to Thomas Jefferson in our country. Add, that, add to that the murder of innocent unborn children being promoted by the most powerful nation and political leaders in the whole world. I mean, think about that. Now, do we think that God will not hold accountable these words and attitudes and actions? God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and give us godly leaders so we may live peaceful lives free from the fear of evil. Now, again, that's just one example of abusive power, making promises and promoting rash vows in order to deceive the masses and insulate themselves from accountability to Jesus the King. Jesus sits in authority and judgment over these very things that we're talking about. Now, Scripture gives examples of people in authority making rash vows and oaths and, and taking advantage of their authority and their power. No, no one here would do either of these two examples from Scripture. Nobody in here. No, no, I'm serious. Actually, I didn't, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, I'm actually... One is Jephthah in Judges 11.30. If you remember, he made a vow to God. If you'll give me victory, I'll sacrifice to you the first thing that comes out of my house. What a stupid thing to say. And I've said many stupid things, but 
I, I can't imagine that. So he comes home from victory. He gets the victory, and, and his daughter comes out of the house first. And, and, and so let's look at Herod, who made the brash vow in front of his guests to give up up to half of my kingdom because you danced before us and pleased us. So she goes to her mom, and mom says, yeah, okay, the head of John the Baptist on the platter because he criticized me in my marriage to, to Herod because I was his brother's wife, and now I'm his. Well, Herod was caught by his words and his pride, and he ordered the head of John the Baptist brought out on a platter. Now, I, like I said, nobody would make such horrid or self-protective, cruel vows. Yet, we live in a country with some statistics, and, and I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to give all of them, but I'm going to give a few. Because this is, the, this, is our na- this is an example of our national sins. And we, the church, have the opportunity to stand up and speak in loving, humble ways for those who are affected by these sins and say, look, there is a king. There is a kingdom. He is good. And you can live in his kingdom. You can be saved from all of this. America ranks in the 10 worst countries in the world by our percentage of pregnancies that are aborted, almost one out of every five. Out of every 10 children murdered in the world, nine live in the United States. In the the United States today, a child under five is killed every 14 hours. Every five hours, a youth between 15 and 19 is killed. And it happens everywhere. And it, it goes on with statistics. We live in a violent culture. We live in an abusive culture. We live in a culture that has denigrated the image of God in male and female, taken advantage of children to push their agendas. These are, again, institutionalized evil. And and we don't even need to go into other areas of injustice right now. It's like the time of Jephthah in the time of Judges when everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So having that as a backdrop, let's look back to Jesus who's sitting in authority and giving us his instructions how to live in this world and how to diffuse his grace how to shine so he can point to us and say, see this one, see this one? Not perfect, but becoming complete in Christ, becoming more perfected in his grace, as we heard in Matthew 5. So, again, Jesus offers us that which in the Beatitudes is called the life to be envied the happy life, the blessed life. Blessed are you, he says. Diffusers of God's grace as our theme for this year. So 
be with Jesus, be in Christ Jesus, and do what Jesus did. <laughs> Let's review five, pre- five commands, a uh, quick review, and, and I've got, I actually have an outline I'm paying a little bit of attention to. If you have a bulletin, if you didn't get one, Ron, if you raise your hand, Ron will, Ron will bring one to you. Number one, submit to God and to King. He gives his own fuller meaning to the purpose of God's law, that it, that it will be fulfilled and that it exposes our, our tendency to do our own thing, to do what is right in our own eyes. Number two, Jesus confronts the inner attitudes and motives of our hearts. He calls us to repentance. The word metanoia, uh, a Greek word meaning repentance, is, is far more than just feeling sorry. <laughs> Fellow sinners, it is a conversion of our heart that works in us a transformation of view and perspective so that the things that we used to do become less and less powerful in us that we're wrong and more powerful becomes the sense of right. I was read this morning from Titus. His grace teaches us to say no. Jeremiah 31, 31, I will write my laws in their hearts. There is that transformation that comes little by little. As we go through this Sermon on the Mount and we apply these these laws and principles to us, he changes us. And that is metanoia. It's not just being sorry. It's actual transformation from the inside out. And it brings us joy and freedom because of our relationship with him. Now, number three, Christ the King commands us to love one another and humble ourselves, forgiving one another and restoring broken relationships. He forbids the kind of anger that calls curses down on others. Number four, our Lord deals with bondage to unbridled sexual sin and lust because they cause dullness and hardness of heart. Covenant breaking not only separates us from God but it but it, in it but it brings a death to our 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 a death-like dullness and insensitivity and unresponsiveness to others whether it's in marriage or friendship or in the church or to toward um, authority he commands us about rules for covenant relationships so that we will be blessed and fruitful in the natural life and in the spiritual life. Because God wants more kids. He wants disciples. He wants more followers. So when Jesus is sitting there saying, these, these are my commands to you, now go and do them. <laughs> go, and, go and do them. Because go and be fruitful. Go and bring in the new kingdom, which I am telling you has already come in me. Go do it. And I'm going to be with you to the end, and I'm going to give you myself over and over and over and over and over. I'm going to impart to you grace, the power and the ability to do what you cannot do yourself. The Son of God and man raises the standard of truth and honesty and integrity in our words. I'm told that previously in Oklahoma, a deal could be made for maybe even a million dollars just on a handshake and a, and a word. <laughs> Can you imagine that now? Now, there, 
um, there are people who, who will do that, who will keep their word, right? But, I mean, we like to see things in writing, don't we? <laughs> we <laughs> for good reason. Because people don't have integrity. I mean, many do. But the my word is my bond doesn't mean the same thing now as perhaps it did. Um, so I want to I close by talking about these four mouth problems. I'm, I'm not really close to closing, but I'm just warning you that... <laughs> There's four things I want to say. That with the problem with my mouth, besides, <laughs> I got a lot of problems with my mouth. I, I put my foot in it often. Um, I, I'm, often now, I'm often now on, on a Google or, or Zoom, you know, with, with kids listening in. And sometimes I... I, I Sometimes I start to react about something, you know, in between classes, and then I have to think, am I still online? Is somebody listening in? Are are they watching me? And, of course, Jesus is always watching me. And and, uh, anyway, let me get off that. So brash self-reliance and boastful promises like we've already talked about. Remember the children's pronouncement, I cross my heart and hope to die? You know where that actually comes from? I believe it actually comes from covenant when they would cut the animal in half and they would vow to one another and they'd say, may God do the same to me as has been done to this animal if I do not keep my word. Now kids, kids have no idea that's what they're saying, right? Hey, cut me in half if I break this promise. But, the, but the, the, the injunction is, be careful what you say. Can you say, oh me, or amen? And now, um, the problem is when we are relying on ourselves to accomplish what we say, instead of, as James said, you know, it'd be better if you would say, if God wills, I'll do this or that, you know? If God wills, a wiser way to make your pronouncements. Let us rely on the grace of God and and seek his will to be done. Lord, your will be done. I need your grace. Now, that's number one, brash self-reliance, boastful promises. Number two is the problem of borrowed authority. Now, um, I'm going to try to unpack this idea of borrowed authority. So, you got... uh, Two, two siblings, um, children, and um, the son uh, is, is in the bathroom, and the daughter comes to the door, and, and once in the bathroom, and the son is not, res- the brother is not responding, okay? <laughs> so so the, daughter, the daughter, the sister says, I'm going to tell daddy on you if you don't let me in there. So she's borrowing daddy's authority. Now, it should work, you know. I mean, the brother should say, well, I don't want to get in trouble with dad, so all right, I'll hurry up and let you in. But, but this, this idea of borrowed authority can get us into trouble. And again, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't, don't borrow authority saying, I swear by the temple. Of course, none of us would say, I swear by serve coffee house. You, you know, no, none of us would say, I swear by... I, you know, my head, I mean, I, I have very few hairs anyway up there. So, you know, that would just be silly. But borrow, borrowed authority is when someone tries to make their word seem or sound 
more authoritative and reliable by using the name or position of others. And, and you hear this in ways like, um, you know, again, you're going to get it when daddy comes home. <laughs> or or, or the, the, uh, the very vague, someone told me, you know, or, or, uh, or well, on Facebook and social media, I saw or I read, right? Sure, we really believe everything we see on social media. Or I heard it on the news. You know, those, those, sometimes we use those statements to, to try to support our position. I, I don't think that's really a good use of a, a good way to, to have our words have more import. You know what gives our words import? Telling the truth. Being relied upon. Being a faithful person. That's what gives our words import and impact. The, it's different when you're citing a specific resource, obviously, or source, as in journalism or, or in, in writing, and, and you, you footnote it and you say, this is what, and the, by the way, the statistics I read earlier, I didn't give you the source. It was from, uh, it was from, um, <laughs> just a moment, like I say to the kids, wait for it, um, um, the name of the website was uh, uh, um, abort73.com. Uh, that's where I got those statistics. All right, so number one, brash self-reliance, thinking without speaking. Number two, borrowed authority, trying to make ourselves more important by borrowing somebody else's authority or experience. Number three, the problem of round words. Let me explain what I mean by round words. I'll, I'll explain by giving some examples. How do you like it when somebody says, hey, I'll call you later? Or, yeah, I'll see you sometime. Hey, we should get together sometime. What does that even mean? Or, hey, I'll be there around nine-ish. What does that mean, nine-ish? Now, when we used to take mission trips, you know, um, to New Mexico and the Indian Reservation or in the, um, uh, to uh, Central America, you know, when somebody would say, um, I'll be there with the bus in the morning, <laughs> they were being honest. That's as clear as they were going to be. You know, and, 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 and we, you know, we don't get our watch out and say, yeah, but what time does that mean? They say, I'll see you in the morning. But I want to know what time so I can be in control of my time. Yeah, well, you know what? In those settings, you're not in control of your time. You have to, you're, you're relying upon other people. And that's, that's part of the culture sometimes. But, but um, these round words, how about this one? This is my least favorite. I'll be praying for you. Well, why not just stop and pray for them right now? Send them a text praying for them. You know, in, in, on Facebook, you see those little praying hands all the time when somebody says, please pray for me. Yeah. Boom, gotcha. Boom, I just, I just sent praying hands. Boom, <laughs> boom, prayer. There, look at all those praying hands and you scroll down, praying for you, prayers for you, prayers going. Now, I, I don't mean to think that people are being insensitive I'm sure they are and I'm sure if I you know if you read those posts oh thank God all these people sent me praying hands thank you Lord at least they're reading the verse let me let me give you a suggestion type out your prayer 
for the person. And everybody who reads it is automatically praying. That's just, an, that's just something I like to do. So, so round words. Be, just let your word be. Just, just mean what you say. Say what you mean. All right? Get rid of the ish sometimes, someday, maybe, if I feel like it. Just get rid of all that. And by the way, exaggerations, hyperboles. <laughs> Barbara and I are laughing because uh, that was kind of a family trait in, 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 in her family. Her mom could make the most amazing exaggerations, couldn't she? It, um, I can't think of any right off the top of my head, but um, I, 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 one. The, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got to do this. So, so when I was uh, 25 years ago, when we moved here, and I was going to be uh, the weekend that I was going to be ordained as as the new pastor of of then Covenant Life Church. So um, Barbara's mom was with us, and we went on. Remember, we went on this day trip to Red Rock Canyon, and 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 uh, really enjoying it. Now, again, this is the day before I'm supposed to stand up in front of the church and be ordained as the pastor. So Jeremy, our son, he's about what ten. And and so if you've been to Red Rock Canyon, you know there's rock faces you can climb. So we're not paying really attention. Jer- Jeremy was always a climber on roofs and towers and things. Well, he's he's halfway up. And all of, and freezes halfway up. So, I mean, he's not coming down. So I got to go up, you know, so I climb up underneath him like it's going to help him at all. I mean, if he falls, we're both in the hospital. So, so I'm there, you know, with my hand, you know, just kind of patting him and say, it's okay, son. We're going to go down one step at a time. And Barbara's mom, bless her heart. She yells from down below, don't fall. You're going to fall and kill yourselves. You know, and (laughs) thank you so much. That really helps me feel more confident right now. So just be careful what what you say, because the power of life and death is in your tongue. Anyway, we did, obviously, we we did make it down. And uh, so... um, the last one is, is a real problem with our mouths it's the, and, and our hearts. It's the vow of self-protection. It's because of oftentimes we've been hurt or offense, uh, had offense towards somebody or picked up somebody else's offense. And, and, and then we allow that to become a stronghold in us. And we make a vow. It becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy or, or negative expectation. I'll never let someone treat me like that again. You ever hear that? Very dangerous to say that. I'll, t- I'll explain why in a minute. I'll never do that to somebody like they did to me. I'll never marry someone like my parent. I would never marry an addictive or abusive person. I will never marry an alcoholic. My husband will never or my... I have, I've seen those things act like magnets in people's lives because the enemy is a legalist. He's lawless in terms of God's law, but he's a legalist. And he, he hears stuff like that and he, and he just relishes it. He says, I can, I can make that happen for you. I can turn that against you. And, 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 and so, again, be careful when we're hurt and, and when we're offended 
even on somebody else's behalf, that we don't say something that's going to act like a boomerang and come and hit us in the back of the head. An oath like that is the exact opposite of what Christ is speaking to us. He's saying, keep your words simple and be responsible. Be faithful. Be true to your word. Be dependable and responsible. And when you mess up, go ask for forgiveness. Don't sit there and hide from it and pretend I'm going to go to church and I'm going to worship and sing and everything's going to be fine. No, it's not going to be fine. <laughs> it may be fine for a while. When, when, when somebody offends you, care enough about that person that you will go to them and, and, and try to work it out if they're amenable to work it out. Otherwise, forgive them, bless them, love them, be concerned for their welfare. This is, Jesus is speaking to us how to live grace-filled, joyful, blessed lives in the midst of persecution, maltreatment, brokenness, and all manner of institutionalized evil like we talked about earlier. If you've made a vow a rash vow, promise, or an oath, let me encourage you. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm just, I wrote it. I'm, I'm going to read it. And if, you, if this is helpful, you can go along with me in spirit. Dear God, I ask forgiveness for making vows because of my hurt or someone else's offense. Help me to forgive those who have caused me pain. I release them in Jesus' name. And you say the person's name, say, I release you in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus, I declare I'm released from the offense and the power of dishonoring vows. And I ask you to wash me and fill me with the Holy Spirit and peace and your love. We need to deal with these kinds of vows because they can sometimes, again, be used by the devil. But remember, God allows the devil as his tool to expose what needs to be forgiven, cleansed, and healed in us. So let us keep our focus on Jesus. Let us trust in his grace. Let us receive the wonderful gift. Kendra, would you come? I want to do that fourth verse, and if you guys could put that up. How, why should I gain from his reward? Why should I gain from his reward? <laughs> I, and if you <clears throat> would like to talk further about how to get free from the, the vows of dishonor toward authority or toward those who have hurt us, I encourage you, we, we used to do this uh, called Theophostic Ministry, and, and Dennis and Susie, what, what do they call it now? Therapeutic Prayer Ministry. I just call it prayers, Prayer Encounters. Dennis and Susie went to the training. You can watch it online. The training is free now. Um, um, it, 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 it's the exchange of lie-based emotional memory pain 
with the peace words of truth that Jesus himself speaks in our hearts. Again, he's the one sitting there in authority and he gives us the commands, but he also heals. Remember, he had power over nature. He could command the storms to cease. He could calm the waves. He could speak to the dead and raise them. He could heal blind eyes to become open and he cast out devils. And he can say to you the word that you need to hear, an emotional word, I love the word, but sometimes I can, I can be telling somebody, hey, the scripture says this. Hey, get over it. You should be able to do this. Hey, this is, what, this is God's word. Just meditate. You're going to be fine. Well, sometimes I've got emotional pain buried in there, and I need an emotional impacting word, not a, a, um, a rational word. What? A, well, yeah, not a legalistic word. That's not... That's not going to help. Not a, not a rational word. Yeah, I know in my mind it's just nowhere near my heart. No, no, Jesus comes to our heart and he says what we need to hear. And often he'll take this, but, but he'll, he'll say, I've seen it so many times where somebody is, is just languishing in the hurt and the pain of offense. And, and, and we wait, we wait, we just prepare the ground, forgive them, what, what is the lie that Satan has told you? And, and wait. And I don't mean to, to make it seem like, hey, it's just a formula. Boom, done, like hitting the Facebook button. No, 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 it's, it's not that, but it's a beginning. It's, a, it's an unwrapping, an unraveling, a pulling down of strongholds that the enemy took a long time to build. And Jesus comes and he says, Here, here's what I want to say to you, my daughter, my son. Here's what I want to say that will change the power that lie of that shame and of that hurt and set you free. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.